0: That's big time. 15. Respect
1: all, fear none. Oh, did he, he belt that one? Intensity is not a perfume.
0: It was a no doubter. Five, four, three, two, one. We are up in the bird's nest here at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. I'm Brendan Mortensen alongside Matt Bonaparte. If you're following along with us live here on Facebook and YouTube, you can see that we are no longer in the couches. It's an end of an era. We're in chairs. Yes. I feel like we are presenting a different tone now in these chairs. We have to be more serious. Yeah. End of the day, we do. It does feel a little more 60 minutes-y. Yeah. There there might be a clock in the background. I might be asking you some really (laughs) hard-hitting questions in a minute. All right, I'm in. Are you? Yeah. I don't know if you're ready for this heat. I'm out. Heat we bring on <laughs> our own edition of 60 Minutes here from the Bird's Nest Studio. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We're serious now.
0: Yeah, indeed. Make us got- that way. <laughs> we've got a fun show for you today. We're going to be doing a free ag- agency showdown. Here's how it's going to work. We have come up with four categories that we think the Orioles should or could address in this offseason. Those four categories being a frontline starting pitcher a back end of the bullpen reliever, outfield depth, and infield depth. Which, as I'm saying it out loud, I do understand that that pretty much covers every position on the diamond. But those are the position groups that we came up with. <laughs> You're In your head, you were like, we're leaving somebody out. We're leaving somebody. We're leaving out a catcher. <laughs> yeah. The Orioles they don't, don't need a catcher. They've got Adley Rutschman. They've got James McCann. They're good. Yeah. Unless they want to bring in a third catcher, like a Mark Colesbury on a minor league deal. Shout out, Mark. Shout out, Mark. I don't think we need to be discussing the potential third minor league catcher. So those are our four categories. Premise here is that you and I are each going to pick a player, and we will be debating who we believe the Orioles should, could sign this offseason. It's not a, hey, if I was GM, I would give Shohei Otani $600 kajillion billion trillion kajillion 1000000000 dollars It's who do we think fits a need for the Orioles and who do we think is realistic in terms of who Baltimore may be going after.
1: Yes, and I'm pumped for it.
0: You're pumped for it. And in fairness, so that one person doesn't just get all the players that they wanted to talk about, at the start of each category, we will be flipping a coin, as Matt has so kindly presented, that quarter in his hand, we will be flipping a coin to determine who gets first pick out of the category whoever gets first pick will be able to argue for their player first it's going to be luck of the draw i think there are in these categories probably a little bit of overlap in terms of who we could be looking at as a potential free agent option I so hope there's overlap that flip of the coin might be I really I interesting a
1: player and you go oh
0: that's what i want to happen that might just happen we'll see in about 10 minutes all right 30 minutes 30 minutes we're waiting to do this <laughs> maybe keep the people on their toes First, let's start with just kind of the overall pitch for a free agent coming to the Baltimore Orioles, regardless of position. Baltimore just won 101 games when the AL East got the number one seed in the American League. You have an incredibly talented young core. Adley Rutschman is 25. Gunnar Henderson is 21. Grayson Rodriguez is 23, soon to be 24. Even Kyle Bradish at 27. That's a really young core that is going to be winning baseball games for a long time. You have the potential American League Manager of the Year in Brandon Hyde. You have the MLB Executive of the Year in Mike Elias. And you have a window of time here where the Orioles could really maximize this window before guys like Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson are past arbitration. And you need to start paying them some really big bucks. So there is a a pretty clear window here where you could spend some money on free agents while your superstar core hasn't even hit arbitration yet. And you could really win a lot of baseball games.
1: Yeah, um, this is the time uh, to, you've got a window is basically what you're saying. You have a window. Not that um, that window
0: can't be extended with extensions and things like that. But it's officially open.
1: Yeah, with with a year in last year in which you dominated the AL and you got that first seed. So, like you said, the pitch to any free agent out there is this is where you want to be right now. This is the team that's winning games. This is the team that's going to have uh, a chance at the World Series for a couple of years to come. Uh, because, you know, we've shown that we have the talent, both, like you said, in the front office, in the dugout, and on the field. Uh, so Baltimore's pitch is that there's success happening here, and you want to be a part of it.
0: Yeah, and to hitters, you could potentially be joining a lineup where you would be protected yes. by Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson, Anthony Santander, Ryan Mountcastle, a bunch of really, really good hitters in that lineup that you could be joining. And it's not like you're joining a completely rebuilding team where you hit second or third every day and have nobody around you. you got plenty yes. of hitters around you. And to pitchers, I, I think it's pretty obvious. You have a great athletic young defense behind you with two gold glove caliber outfielders in Cedric Mullins and Austin Hayes, two gold glove caliber infielders on the left side in Gunnar Henderson, in Ramon Rios, whoever may be playing that left side. Jordan Westberg has shown a ton of flashes defensively at second. Ryan Mountcastle was a gold glove finalist at first. Adley Rutschman was a gold glove finalist at catcher. I think it's Pretty nice to play with that defense. Yeah. You get to pitch to Adley Rutschman, who, again, was a gold glove finalist. That's a huge sell, by the way. And calls a heck of a game and has just, you know, been raved about by a lot of pitchers that he has worked with. And it's not a hitter-friendly ballpark anymore. That left field wall, pretty far back. Yeah. It's a good pitch to pitchers.
1: Yeah. Um, and just on the Adley thing, I'm willing to bet that if you took an anonymous survey of the entire league and said to starting pitchers, "Who's the catcher you want to be managing your staff? Who's the guy you want to be throwing to every fifth day?" I'm willing to bet the majority would say Adley Rutschman.
0: Oh yeah, I, I think there's a very good case to be made that it's Adley.
1: Yeah, because we've seen that he has a great relationship with everybody on the staff and the bullpen. Whatever. Yep. Um, everybody raves about him. He's the guy you want to be throwing to.
0: Gives out free hugs. He does. What more could you want from you your all-star lie, you catcher? You want one of them? Oh, sure do. Sure do if you're a free agent pitcher. So that is the pitch in general. Let's kick things off with what I think is probably the biggest area that the Orioles could address this offseason, and that is starting pitcher. Can Kyle Bradish repeat as a top five pitcher in the American League with an outstanding ERA? Yeah, maybe. We haven't seen a ton of sample size yet, but he might be able to do that again. Can Grayson Rodriguez this year flourish into the ace that we know he can be? We saw it the second half of last year. He was unbelievable. Can he continue that and build on that momentum into 2024 and become an ace sort of pitcher? Yeah, hopefully. Can John Means return and be a frontline starter? Hopefully. That is a lot of hopefully's to build on going into next season. And I think it makes a lot of sense for the Orioles to address starting pitcher And, you know, maybe they would be looking for depth, but I tend to think that they might be looking for somebody at the front end of that rotation. Somebody that can be either a very good number two, potentially a number one. There's not a lot of number one pitchers in baseball. I think the guys that we will probably be talking about are not true aces. There's just not a lot of those in general. I think the only one on the free agent market that you could really look at right now can't pitch until 2025 in Shohei Otani. So, not a lot of true aces out there.
1: I agree. Are you ready to flip this coin?
0: I'm ready to flip this coin. All right, people. So, this coin flip, again, will determine which one of us... You got to call it in the air, by ...will select their starting pitcher to argue for first. It's a big flip. Are you ready? I'm ready.
1: Tails. That was a really bad flip.
0: That was a terrible flip.
1: But it it did flip over, unlike that one... It sure did. It's heads. Oh! Which means I get to pick. Oh, man. (laughs) And that means... We're going with somebody I don't think you think I thought we were going to go with.
0: That's a bold choice for your first overall pick. His name's Luis
1: Severino. Wow. In division. Now, this guy had a bad year. There's no way around it. He did not have a good year. He had an ERA north of six, a 65 ERA plus. He had a rough season. It's not good. What do we know about this Orioles team? You know what I'm about to say? They can fix pitchers. And who has a higher ceiling than this guy on the market that has a floor this low as of right now. I think Luis Severino is the guy you go after if you're Baltimore because his price tag is not going to be that high. He's probably looking for a prove-it deal. One year, I don't know the price, but you could probably go out and get him for something pretty reasonable. Yeah. And if you add him at his height to this rotation, they could be unstoppable. Imagine a fixed Luis Severino next to this year's Bradish and this year's Grayson Rodriguez. It would have been a three-headed monster in that rotation. Now, obviously, there's some work to be done, but Luis Severino has shown that, and we've seen it time and time again in division with the New York Yankees, that if he's on and that slider's on, he's got one of the best pitches in all of the major leagues. Obviously, there's risk there involved, but... I trust that Mike Elias and this pitching department can go out there and fix a guy who has a ceiling as high as Luis Severino
0: does. That's a big swing. It is. With Luis Severino. Talking about somebody who was thought to be a superstar in the making in New York, back-to-back All-Star games in 2017 and 2018. 298 ERA in 2017, finished third in AL Cy Young voting at just 23 years old. Yeah. He hasn't pitched more than 30 games since 2018. Yes. A lot of injury concern there. It does remind me a little bit of the Jack Flaherty deal. I knew you were going to say At the that. deadline.
1: But there's difference there.
0: I But. There's more success
1: that Luis Severino has experienced.
0: To that point, though, I think the Jack Flaherty deal was a risk worth taking. Because yes. if you got the best out of Jack Flaherty, then you were getting a really, really good starting pitcher. I think Luis Severino would make a lot of sense. There's just. There's a lot of ifs attached with Severino. Yes, absolutely.
1: It's a risk. It's a gamble. Uh, but I think it's one that the Orioles can take considering what you have in this development uh, team. And and if you're not going to use it, why have it? So yeah. I think the Orioles should go out and utilize what likely can be considered one of the best pitching development teams in all of baseball considering what they did this year with so many arms uh, that were not expected to be this good. So Luis Severino is my guy this time.
0: Yeah, I mean, if... Look, if Luis Severino gives you 25 starts, you could be looking at maybe not the 2017, 2018 version of Severino, but you could be looking at somebody realistically with an ERA in the low threes. If everything works out, if the health works yes. out, and if the Orioles 29. are able to, to figure it out. Yeah, he's only 29 years old. I think, I think that would be a worthwhile risk worth taking. So what do you got? I've got a few guys that are kind of in a different sphere here than Luis Severino shooting a little bit. Higher in terms of, you know, the the years that it might take to sign one of these guys to a contract. When you're looking at the upper end of the free agent starting pitchers this year, you're looking at Blake Snell, who is going to command a monster deal, and I'm not terribly confident that Blake Snell will repeat his success walking five batters per nine innings and somehow having an ERA of, like, two. Wild year. I think Aaron Nola is going to command a ton as well. It's going to be a big contract. And... You know, a little bit of inconsistencies here and there with Aaron So I kind of went for that second tier of starting pitcher looking for a guy that I think the Orioles could bring in. Somebody who might command a similar deal to say Taiwan Walker last year, three or four year deal. The guy I'm going with is a familiar face, and it's Eduardo Rodriguez. I think it would probably take a three or four year deal to get him. Come on home, Eduardo. He was in Baltimore, traded in the Andrew Miller deal, got traded to the Dodgers at last year's deadline, said, no, I don't want to do that. Vetoed that deal. And you kind of thought that he would opt into the rest of his contract with Detroit. He said, I want to stay here. The he's place zigging I want to when be.
1: everybody else is zagging. I'll he's zigging, he's
0: zagging. Every which way. But when Eduardo Rodriguez, Rodriguez is on, he is excellent. He has four seasons with an ERA in the 330 to 380 range, has some postseason experience, 330 ERA this season in 26 games, eight and a half strikeouts per nine. He's got a five pitch mix and his sinker and cutter aren't that great. He doesn't pitch them super frequently. And when he does, they're not his best pitches. I think the Orioles could unlock that a little bit. We know the sinker and cutter are kind of the the wave for starting pitchers right now. So I think Eduardo Rodriguez... Makes a ton of sense. He's not going to command as big of a contract years-wise. He's not going to be as long of a commitment as somebody like Blake Snell or Aaron Nola. But he has the upside, I believe, to be just as good as those two guys. And Eduardo Rodriguez is somebody that you would feel pretty comfortable giving the ball on opening day. I mean, if that was your pitch to Eduardo Rodriguez saying you could come to Baltimore and be the number one starting pitcher on a team that just won the American League and has, you know, deep playoff run aspirations, that's the pitch for Eduardo Rodriguez. He doesn't need to come in and be, you know, the number three guy in a stacked rotation. He could potentially be the guy in Baltimore. He has that kind of upside. So I think Rodriguez, given the consistency that we have seen when he's on the field, there are some question marks there, but when he's on the field, he's really, really good. And I think Eduardo Rodriguez coming home as a left-handed pitcher again in a in a left-handed pitching-friendly ballpark makes a lot of sense for Baltimore.
1: And he's been a guy that up until last year, I think we all around baseball were, were looking at him to still break out because yeah. he had a lot of talent. We all knew that he'd put it together some years, not some others. But last this past season, with a three-three ERA, and he did it on a team that wasn't winning games, which for me, is a, is a huge upside. If you're still going out there every five games and locking in, despite the fact that there's no chance your team's making the playoffs, that's a huge credit in my book. So I like Eduardo Rodriguez here. He finally put it together last year uh, and had a big, big season for a team that wasn't making the playoffs. If he did that in Baltimore, uh, to your point, that would have been hugely helpful, and he could be the opening day starter for this rotation and a guy who's eight years into his career. Now he's kind of a veteran uh, of the game now. So probably a good locker room guy uh, as well. So I don't hate that pick at all. I really like it.
0: So those are our picks for who we think the Orioles should could sign in free agency. After we are done with the show, we're going to be posting our picks on Twitter, on Facebook, go vote for who you think made the better pitch. For that player between myself and Matt, but we've got three more categories to go. Our next category Here we is go. reliever. And I think the case for the Orioles to sign a reliever is pretty simple. You lost Felix Bautista. He's not going to be available in 2024. You need some more stability at the back end of your bullpen. You've got guys like Yan Your Kano, CNL Perez, Danny Coulomb, maybe Cole Irvin, DL Hall, Tyler Wells. There are good pieces in place. But bolstering that bullpen without Felix Bautista, I think, is a pretty big need.
1: Absolutely. Um, Losing Bautista, who is one of, if not the best closer in baseball, had a Cy Young case before he was injured uh, this past season, is huge. It's huge to lose him. Uh, So it's kind of, you know, you kind of have to go out and get somebody if you're the Orioles because there is a gap to fill there. Matt, flip that coin. I'm going to flip this coin. Here we go. Hopefully it's better than Am last Am I calling step. it
0: in the air again? Yes, you are. Tails. You didn't. I called it semi-kind of. It's heads. Oh, it's oh heads no. again. This is rigged. I didn't, you didn't even show me the result there. That's tough for you. I think this is rigged. You want me to go again? No. Okay. Yeah, you can go ahead. You have your first pick of bullpen arm once again, and, and I think this competition is rigged, but that's okay.
1: I really like both my guys. That's my issue here, so I kind of wanted to go second here. Mm. I could defer, but I won't. Uh, so we're going to go with Jordan Hicks, All right, uh, who is a free agent for the first time, yep. uh, played with both the Cardinals, and then was traded at the deadline to Toronto last year. He's a very, very good arm. Uh, that's what we know about this guy, is he throws like 300 miles per hour. He does. Since
0: high school, he has thrown over yes, 100 miles an hour.
1: And at times, the ball moves in ways you didn't think it could when it comes out of his hand. He had some down years in St. Louis, uh, so I think somebody or some people started to question whether or not he could uh, continue to have that potential, which was that he'd be a big time closer. Yeah. But last year in Toronto, at 2.63 ERA after being dealt, he was really, really good. Uh, And this is a guy who I think you could get for a relatively cheap contract over a couple of years. He's still relatively young. Uh, And again, I don't mean to beat a dead horse here, but who's got the best pitching development program and would love to sink their teeth into a guy like this
0: is the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, So I love Jordan Hicks here. Well, Matt, I'm going to be honest with you. Jordan Hicks coming into the day was my number one seed. Really? In bullpen arm. I think it makes all the sense in the world. As you mentioned, throws over 100 miles an hour on his sinker, you can't elevate on the guy. He doesn't give up home runs. He's got a really, really good ground ball rate at about 58%, just half a home run per nine innings pitched. The Orioles have a great defense and going to get a bullpen arm that puts the ball on the ground at a really, really consistent rate is great. And as you mentioned, he just turned 27. I think there are a lot of things that you could potentially unlock. With Jordan Hicks, he's young. He's got great arm talent. He's got a good track record. The sky is really the limit for him. And being able to pair him, you know, Jordan Hicks could command a multi-year deal in free agency. I think more than likely he probably will. And so you're not just looking at the need for 2024 there. You'd be looking at potentially pairing him at the back end of your bullpen with Felix Bautista, two guys who can pump 102 when they need to, uh, you could get to the 8th and ninth inning and the game would be over.
1: You make a three-headed monster out of Cano, Hicks, and Bautista, like you said, you get late enough into the game, you don't have a chance.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really great choice and one that makes a lot of sense and is hard to argue against. But as I mentioned, Jordan Hicks was my number one seed maybe coming into last evening. And I was like, ah, Jordan Hicks makes all the sense in the world. Then I did some digging. Oh, no. And I found my Jock Peterson from a year ago. If you are a consistent listener of the show, you will remember that Paul Mancano and I had our free agency bracket last year, and I went to war for Jock Peterson. I said, this is the guy that the Orioles should sign. He makes all the sense in the world. He fills the exact role that the Orioles need, and then he ended up, I think accepting his qualifying offer and staying in San Francisco and it didn't matter, but <laughs> the premise stayed that I had a guy and I stuck to it. And last night bones, it just, I had an epiphany. It just washed over me that I knew who my guy was for this year. And it's Robert Stevenson. Yeah, I knew it was. Oh, that's, you had an that's great. That's great. And it is Robert Stevenson. Oh, and if you're listening awesome. along, you might be saying, Huh? Who is Robert Stevenson? Well, dear listener, I will tell you who Robert Stevenson is. He had a 490 career ERA from 2016 to 2022. And I'm sure you're saying, Brendan, that's not very good. Brendan, that's not very good. It's not very good. Starts the 2023 season with the Pittsburgh Pirates and tosses a 514 ERA, walking over five batters per nine innings. And I'm sure you're saying, well, Brendan, that's still not very good. Where's the pitch here? Why is this your guy? Robert Stevenson got traded to the Tampa Bay Rays. And the craziest thing happened. The Rays looked at Robert Stevenson and said, hey, that slider that you throw all the time, get rid of that thing. It's not any good. How about you start throwing a cutter? And boy, did he start throwing a cutter. He started throwing his cutter about 75% of the time. Hitters made contact on that pitch. Not a hit, just made contact on that pitch 41% of the time. In 42 games with Tampa Bay at the back half of the 2023 season, he had an ERA of 235 with over 14 strikeouts per nine innings and a whip just over 0.6. His walk numbers went down from walking five batters per nine at the beginning of the season to about two batters per nine innings. His fastball, which is the complement to his cutter, sits about 97. He was untouchable for four months of the year. And I understand that a 40-game sample size to sign somebody to a potential multi-year deal that I think Robert Stevenson will probably get seems like a bit of an overreaction. And I think, in general, you would think of the sample size as, well, yeah, but he was bad since 2016. His ERA wasn't very good. Why would you go based off of just 40 games at the end of last season. And normally I wouldn't if he didn't make a fundamental change to how he pitches. Completely abandoned the slider, which was a fine pitch, and started throwing the cutter, which was an unbelievable pitch. He induced a swinging strike on almost 30% of his pitches in Tampa Bay. He's entering his age 31 season. And this is a completely different guy than he was for the first six years of his career. And I think he makes all the sense in the world because if the Orioles can do the same thing that the Rays did, we know the Orioles and Rays are both kind of notorious at this point for just taking a pitcher that you don't think much of and turning him into somebody fantastic. We see the Rays do it year in and year out. We see the Orioles do the same exact thing. The Rays seem to have unlocked the blueprint with Robert Stevenson because you could not touch him for four months. And he was one of the best bullpen arms in baseball, like rivaled Felix Bautista numbers for the back half of the year. And so the Rays figured it out. And I think the Orioles can keep it going. And Robert Stevenson could be one of the most dominant bullpen arms in baseball next year. Wow. That's my pitch. pitch.
1: That was almost presidential. Yeah. That was, that was darn good. I might have your vote on Twitter (laughs) at this point. Yeah, I mean, to your point about his path, the Pirates aren't known as a team that develops pitchers the best way possible, and the Rays are. So for him to go from the Pirates to the Rays, kind of like Tyler Glasnow did, um, that was always going to be a benefit to him, and uh, I, I love that nugget about the, the slider to the cutter. That's awesome. That's yeah. the kind of stuff I love. That's um, so I, I appreciate you going and getting that for us. And
0: Thank you, Brendan. That's that's what we go to get here on the Bird's Nest. <laughs> All right, Bones, moving on. We've got outfield depth as our next category. Colin Kauser and Heston Kerstad have really high ceilings but are not known commodities. Do you need a bopper? Maybe somebody who could fill a DH role? We're going outfield here, not infield? We're going outfield okay. here. Do you need somebody who could maybe... Fill a DH role if you're not banking on another Ryan O'Hearn masterclass. Do you need a good veteran depth piece? And somebody who's not going to block Cowser or Kerstad, do you need somebody in case you trade a potential outfielder? Who's to say? I love my outfield pick, and I'm going to be really upset if you take it. Well, we're going to find out. I probably won't be able to take it because I keep guessing Are wrong on the coin flip. I'm going to keep guessing tails. Fails. What tails.
1: What do you got?
0: So my two options here went in two completely different directions. And I'll, I'll tell you who my two options were. My first option was Jorge Soler. Everybody's is, got Jorge Soler on their board. Here. Everybody's got Jorge Soler on their board. He's here. my second option. He's a good DH option bopper. He's going to hit a kajillion home runs, hit 36 of them this year. 48 home runs back in 2019. Good player. 126 WRC plus. That's all good stuff. All-star. And you might need somebody to fill that DH role. This year, if it's not another Ryan O'Hearn masterclass. I don't like where this is going. But I'm going in a different direction. Oh, no. And I'm going with somebody who I think can give you a similar role to Ryan O'Hearn. Okay. In how you use him. Is a great veteran presence in the clubhouse. Uh, Wouldn't block you if Colton Kowser and Heston Kerstad come up and decide to be excellent next year, which is very possible, and give you some really good playoff experience as well. That guy's Jason Hayward. No! You gotta be kidding me! And Bones is distraught. You gotta be kidding me! There's no way! That's the beauty of the coin flip, baby. that's brutal! Jason Hayward, I think, would only command a one-year deal.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's what I wrote down, too.
0: He signed a minor league deal with the Dodgers last year, and he made the opening day roster because the premise was, he's gonna be a good veteran presence, and... He still plays a quality defensive outfield and, you know, we'll see what we can get out of Jason Hayward. And what you end up getting, somebody who hits 270 with 15 home runs because the Dodgers put him in the correct position to succeed. He only had 28 plate appearances against lefties this season. It contributed to an 818 OPS against righties in 350 plate appearances. So you used him as a platoon bat where you needed him. The guy's also a five-time gold glove pointer. You don't got to tell me. I know Plays all a, a quality defensive right field. Oh. And look, if the Orioles are facing a right-handed starting pitcher and want to get somebody who can give you an 800-plus OPS against righties with a quality defensive right field, you're going to be putting Anthony Santander in your DH spot, Jason Hayward in right field. Great veteran presence in this clubhouse that the Orioles, we know they like, and he fills a need. And if Heston Kerstad comes up and turns into somebody that you want to platoon against right-handed pitching, you're not committing a lot here for Jason Hayward. I think he probably only takes a one-year deal. And it's somebody that if he struggles and Heston Kerstad or Colton Kauser look great, can take a back seat. Jason Hayward's my pick.
1: He only struck out 64 times this year. It's not a lot of times. He was great at the plate. I love Jason Hayward for this pick. I really do, and if I had the opportunity, I would have picked him too. Now, I've got your vote in
0: back-to-back categories now (sighs) is what you're telling me.
1: Listen, I'll go Jorge Soler here because he's kind of the de facto choice, but he's not only that, he's actually very good. Um, like we said, 36 homers, great power, bad. This guy's a two time World Series champ, was on the same team that Jason Hayward was on back in 2016 when the Cubs broke the curse. World Series uh, MVP, and Jorge then won the Soler. World Series MVP back in 2021 with the Braves. So, yeah, this is a guy who's no slouch. Um, he'd probably take a multi year deal at this point. Yeah, probably two or he three years Struggled year deal. in the first year with the Marlins, then came back this year, uh, was an all star, was a very, very good player. Um, and is a guy that you want on your baseball team, because he'd be really nice to throw into the middle of that lineup. Yeah. Right? I mean, the Orioles didn't really have a guy this year, an everyday player whose OPS was far above 800. And that wasn't really an issue because everybody was around 800. But imagine you throw in a guy who just whacks the ball, and he does it for whacks a relatively it. high average as well, so he's not just a strikeout or homer guy. And he's whacking it. And he's whacking it, and he could and he play a solid outfield. Um, so I like Jorge Soler here as well. But Jason Hayward, alas.
0: Yeah. Jorge Soler is a bopper. He, he is. is He's whacking the baseball, as you said. I think the one thing that is, is probably pretty obvious about limiting Jorge Soler's potential upside is being a right-handed hitting power hitter who plays half your games at Camden Yards. Yes. That, that left field wall is brutal. It's not kind to righties. It's not. But Jorge Soler has the kind of prodigious power that it could probably hit the ball over any wall he wants. Exactly. Uh, Nobody's containing 470. I think Jorge Soler is also a really good pick, just fills a different need because he's probably not going to play the outfield defensively very much. But if you want Jorge Soler and Ryan O'Hearn as your two kind of platoon DH options, it's a really good option that could potentially be your cleanup hitter.
1: I may never forgive you for Jason Hayward.
0: No. And that's the beauty of the coin flip. Don't <sighs> hate me. Hate the coin. I hate you, coin. All right. Wow. We're moving inwards to the infield. We are. And that is our last t- category here. You've got Joey Ortiz, Connor Norby, Jackson Holiday, Kobe Mayo. They're near. They're all in AAA right now. Do the Orioles need another infielder? Maybe. Maybe not. I think it's the same premise as a Jason Hayward type of signing here, where maybe you look at somebody who you don't have to commit bunch of years to maybe a year or two and if a prospect continues to play their butt off and takes a job and everyday role in the infield somewhere not somebody that you would bring in and have to play because of the contract they've got that that's kind of the direction that I went with looking at infield Same. depth
1: um yeah I mean considering that there has been conversation at all about Jackson Holiday potentially even being in the competition for the opening day spot. That's the only place you can go is to a guy who is not going to be crucial to this ball club one way or another. If he yeah. plays great, awesome. If he doesn't, it's not the end of the world. That's yeah. kind of where I went with this pick.
0: All right, Bones. Here we go. The coin flip. Will it strike again? I'm still going tails. Teds. And here I go with Merrifield. So I go one for three. Yeah. On coin flips. And who's your selection? Whit Merrifield is my selection. Okay.
1: Uh, Two-hit Wit. He's a good player. Um, he is a Silver Slugger finalist for the year. He played a very good first half uh, for the Blue Jays this year. Fell off a little bit in the second half. There's no way around that. Uh, but he is a guy who is, one, a veteran, two, incredibly versatile. He plays pretty much every position on the field. He can play the outfield, the infield, whatever. And you can stick him at any point in the lineup, and he could probably contribute. Not a huge power bat, but a guy that is going to put bat on ball. Uh, and I think that's what this team could benefit from, is a versatile fielder who's going to hit the ball one
0: way or another. Uh, so hit two-hit wit, that's my guy. I had the exact same thinking. However, I do think Whit Merrifield, maybe this is just a name thing, but I feel like Whit Merrifield would probably play 100 games for you. I mean, you bring in in Whit Merrifield, and I would be a little concerned that that is somebody who is blocking a prospect, potentially.
1: I don't think so. He's at the point where he's a veteran, and obviously if you sign him, you're going to have an understanding that you're not – like, the Orioles will be like, hey, man – you know what you're coming into.
0: But is Whit Merrifield going to take that I think so. Role? For
1: For an opportunity to win a championship, I think he absolutely would. That's this fair. is a guy who's a winner. Yeah. He's, not, he's not a. Firm, I mean, I don't know the guy, but he doesn't seem like a selfish <laughs> player to me. Uh, and I think that he'd be hugely uh, a big addition for this team.
0: Yeah. No, I think Whit Merrifield is a very good choice. I went with somebody who fits the Whit Merrifield role, but – is probably going to command less dollars wise and would also probably command less of a role. Again, if Joey Ortiz, Connor Norby, Jackson Holiday come up and say, Hey, I'm going to be your starting everyday second baseman now, or if, you know, Jordan Westbrook, whatever it, the case may be. I went with somebody who could just bounce wherever you need him to, literally wherever you need him to. That's Kike Hernandez. I okay. think you could bring Kike in on a one-year deal. Signed a $10 million contract with the Red Sox this past year. Didn't really play up to it. His peripheral numbers are not anything to write home about. Neither is a 650 OPS. But again, the Orioles don't really need an everyday starter in the infield. You have a bunch of good options right now. I think he fills a similar role to a Ramon Rios where maybe he's not starting every day, but you probably know what you're getting when he's in the lineup. Kike Hernandez is, by all accounts, just the man. If you've ever watched a post-game interview with Kike Hernandez, you know he's got a really funny personality. Seems like he would be great in the clubhouse. He also gives you 72 career playoff games, a really good playoff track record, which is something that the Orioles didn't really have this season. You had it with Aaron Hicks in the second half of the year, Kyle Gibson had a little bit of experience here and there, went on the World Series run with the Phillies, but you don't have somebody with 72 playoff games under the belt like Kike Hernandez does. And again, Kike could be your starter opening day at second base. If Jordan Westberg is at third, Gunnar Henderson's at shortstop, Kike Hernandez is at second. I could realistically see Kike being a starter on this team for a little while, and then... Jackson Holiday gets the keys at some point, Connor Norby gets the keys at some point. Oh yeah. Kike Hernandez can also play every single outfield position and he becomes a really good number four, number five outfielder. He's kind of just a super Adam Frazier at that point. Adam Frazier this year filled a role very, very nicely for the Orioles and could play second base, could play a corner outfield. I raise you Kike Hernandez who can play any position on the infield and any position in the outfield. So, at 31, do you think that's a multi-year deal? No. You think you signed him a one-year deal? I think you can probably get Kike Hernandez on a one, maybe a two-year deal. Maybe it's a one and a
1: club See, I option. don't think so. I think he's looking for a multi-year deal. He I only think signed a still... one-year deal
0: with the Red Sox last year.
1: That's true, but he's in the prime of his career still at 31, you know?
0: Yeah, I, he's he's been on the downturn a little bit. He has That's not true. given you the same sort of numbers recently. He had a good
1: second half with the Dodgers. He did
0: because the Dodgers again, you know, that was the right role for Kike Hernandez, and he thrived. You know, being back home, maybe Kike Hernandez stays in LA. Seems like he he likes it there. They like him there, but I think he makes a lot of sense.
1: If you were able to negotiate with Kike and get him to come in to play that role, yeah, I don't know if there's anybody better to do it. The biggest hurdle is getting him to do that. Yeah. is is convincing a guy like him to say, all right, you're going to play a lot for us, but if we want to go with another guy, you're not going to play
0: at all. And I think that's a, probably a similar argument to your guy in Whit Merrifield there, where probably you would have to tell Whit Merrifield, hey, by the way, uh, we've got the number one prospect in baseball, and he's going to be here in like five minutes. Yes. So the only he's going to th- be starting at second base in about a month.
1: The only reason I think it's different is there's a five-year age gap, and Whit's... Definitely on the downturn. While Kike could probably convince himself he's not, yeah. um, But if you could get Kike, go out and get Kike. So I like that pick.
0: Yeah. Uh, other option I had there was Isaiah Conner I Think he so fills the <laughs> exact same. I role. did too. Yeah.
1: I thought when you were saying, um, I thought that's what you were leading into was IKF.
0: Yeah, yeah because he does the same thing. He can play he second, plays third, catcher, short, you know, everything. He has caught before in his career. He can play the outfield. He's Kike Hernandez light. I think. Yeah,
1: his bat just isn't as uh, proficient. No. His key case. It also, it
0: wouldn't surprise me at all if the Orioles went, yeah, we got a lot of infield depth. We're good.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by that either. Honestly, sometimes I lean more towards that than anything else just because you've got Joe. Like, honestly, it's incredibly dependent on whether or not they offload or go trade prospects for a starter or something like that. Um, you yep. know, if they go out and they, they swap, a couple of really highly touted prospects for a Dylan Cease or something like that, then this whole conversation changes. Yeah. So.
0: It's going to be a lot of off-season shows to discuss I'm pumped. what the Orioles should do. Just that. So, Matt, let's run through who we selected in each of our sure. four categories here. For starting pitcher and who we think the Orioles should or could sign this off-season, I went with Eduardo Rodriguez. Who'd you select? Luis Severino. For reliever, I went with my guy, Robert Stevenson. Jordan Hicks for me. Jordan Hicks. Flamethrower. Flamethrower. For outfield depth, we had the same two guys in these categories. And I only won one coin flip. But gosh darn it, might have been the most important coin flip of the day. My selection was Jason Hayward.
1: Yeah, and I like Jason Hayward. Just want to make that clear. Uh, I've got your vote. Jorge Soler. Also an incredible selection.
0: Let the record show that I have Matt Bonaparte's vote on both my reliever yeah, I mean, pick you don't know what happens until I press and that ...and my button. outfield pick. And then infield depth, I went with Kike Hernandez. For me, Whit Merrifield. Thanks for following along here to our free agency showdown. Again, after this show, we are going to be posting short video on Twitter and Facebook. And comment along with who you think... The Orioles should sign. We're going to give our options and go vote. Next week, we will come back and tell you who the winners were. And then by rule, Michael Ias and the Orioles have to sign all of those guys. We will write it down on a sheet of paper and we will bring it to Michael Ias and say, the people have spoken. We have spoken. You do that. all On it. the bird's nest. And this is who you are now contractually obligated to sign two contracts. this I'll be right
1: back behind you with the camcorder.
0: That is how it works. And, uh, well, that'll probably be our last time speaking to me, <laughs> but you know what? It's, it's worth a shot. Thanks for following along with us live on YouTube and Facebook. If you didn't, you should be. We're live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. talking Orioles baseball, or you can catch us after the fact, wherever you find your podcasts or digital shows on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google podcasts, Apple podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts or digital shows, You can find us on the bird's nest talking about the Orioles off season. Big thanks to Amy Jennings behind the scenes for producing this one for Matt Bonaparte. I'm Brandon Mortensen. We'll catch you next time.